Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. How many of you remember around about a year ago, we were watching the snow forecast, trying to figure out if we would be able to open the campus on time or not. Does anybody remember that? <laughs> so there's just a slight bit of irony for me today in that our one-year celebration uh, is white outside, and we were wondering whether we were going to get to pull it off because we had planned last year, we had this great plan. You ever had great plans that didn't work out? But we had this great plan of some soft openings, and then we were going to launch on Super Bowl Sunday, and well, it snowed, and then it snowed, and well, we ended up launching on Valentine's Day, and then they moved to Super Bowl, so we still get to celebrate on Super Bowl Sunday, so like, it just all works out. It all works out in the end in God's timing. A year, a year of God's goodness, of his favor. For me, friends, if I'm honest, you all are a story of that year. There's so many stories that I can share that come to mind as we pause and reflect, and many different stories. I, I remember it was pretty early in the campus, and, and I was back here, I was working at the sound booth, that's kind of my standing desk if I need somewhere during the week, and I, I saw this lady walking up and down outside the church, and I, I finally, she stayed and stayed and stayed, and I finally stuck my head out the door, I said, ma'am, can I help you with something? She said, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just walking, recovering from surgery. And that was the day I met Julie Greer. And uh, she's worshiping in heaven today. Uh, but that's just a story, the power of what God's up to right here in your lives, in the gathering of his people. I, I wanted to share some, just some stories, so I asked a few uh, different people in our congregation just to share a little bit what God's been up to in their heart and their lives through this campus, through his grace here Ms. Beth Elliard said, becoming a part of the East Rock campus has shown me the true meaning of teamwork among a group of people with very different personalities and gifts. I've been the recipient of grace and love and acceptance from the East Rock leadership at a time in my life when I was searching for what God wanted me to do next. The teaching, the worship, the friendships I found at East Rock have strengthened my spirit. Being among my East Rock family is proof that God always has something wonderful in his purposes at the end of a long wait. Amen and amen. Michael and Mariah Cook. Mariah writes this. She said, since the doors opened, my heart and my love for the Lord have never been in a better place. Instead of waking up every morning and dreading the work day ahead and what it will bring, I wake up praising God for the ability and to be able to share as a nurse. Through this church, I, I remembered why God called me to be a nurse 
and that was ministering to people through my work. And she goes on to say, my fiance and I got married in March of last year, and now I get to sit beside my husband and worship the Lord in such a safe and sacred place. Is there anything better? That's a testimony of what God's been up to, what God is up to here in your hearts, in your stories, in your families. I asked Miss Sherry Falls, I said, what do you want people to know about the church? I love this. She said, first and foremost, you are loved. (laughs) You matter. You are needed, and there is a place for you here. Inside these walls, we come to praise and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, without reservation. Our pastors will bring forth God's word each week to help you mature and grow in your walk with Christ so that you may go outside of these walls and be the church that God is calling you to be. As you grow, there is plenty of room for you here to get connected, whether it would be in life groups, music ministry, shepherding, or nursery, just to name a few. There is a place for you. Amen, Miss Sherry. Those are just, we could spend the afternoon, maybe that's what we'll do while we gather for our dinner after second service, but just stories of what God's up to. And we celebrate today what God has done, yes, but yes, we celebrate what he will do. Because we believe God has a plan and a purpose for his church. There's still a place for the local church in God's kingdom. And we get to be a part of it. And so we're excited for the future. Can we celebrate just with a round of applause what God's been up to this year? Uh, This week, we've been kind of reflecting a little bit back of this past year. In some sense, as you look back, right, you might remember your anniversary or important dates, and some part of you will say that's only been a minute, and some part of you will say, oh my gosh, it seems like it's been forever. I I had that realization today. I was thinking about an old TV show I used to enjoy watching. I brought the trailer. I want to see if anybody remembers it. It's, It's from a little while ago. What if you knew, beyond a doubt, going to happen tomorrow what would you do there's no easy answer for a guy who gets tomorrow's news today Time travel to the 90s. Who remembers? Man, wasn't many of us watching that show. <laughs> so the premise of early edition was that this man received tomorrow's newspaper today. So he was seeing and he would go about trying to intervene in the news headlines of what was happening that day. So there was an entire television show over 20 years ago, which is hard to think that the 90s were are 20 years old now dedicated to what would happen if we knew the future. What would you do if you got tomorrow's newspaper today? Now, I know somebody just had a lottery ticket thinking, don't be so sanctimonious, I know it happened. But, right? We, we think about those things. Did any, is anybody going to go to the obituaries first to make sure your name's not there? Like, I do that now. But especially if you got tomorrow's newspaper. What, what would you do if you knew what was coming? Would you be like this premise of this TV show and go about trying to intervene and to save lives and to do what you can to make a difference? 
I don't know about you, but like that, that's a burden. I struggle enough just keeping a hold of today's mess, much less tomorrow's too. But yet there's a fascination for us with the future, isn't it? There's a fascination. We make plans and we go about tomorrow like it's a guarantee. Our calendars are chock full of what we're going to do tomorrow. But yet somewhere we know that it's not a guarantee. That tomorrow is just outside of our reach. That it's just beyond our control even. And I think that inability for us to control tomorrow is a little bit where we can struggle with it. As we continue in our series through the book of James, he's taken time out to remind his readers the importance of of not only giving God today, but also seeing to it that we have given God our tomorrow too. So I welcome you back to our teaching series through the book of James on our verse-by-verse study. Uh, When you commit to taking it slow like this, when you commit to journeying through the scriptures verse-by-verse, you get the joy of slowly journeying through God's promises and the good news that he brings. But yet, when you're slowly journeying through James, you can get a gut check from time to time. You get to journey slow through those hard passages. I, I don't know about you, but James has had more than a few difficult words for me in my faith journey. It's important for us to remember that as we journey through James, that James is not just a rambling preacher who woke up grouchy one morning and decided to give us a piece of his mind. No, he's passionately pleading that we would live differently in light of the faith we have in Christ Jesus. James is writing that our lives would manifest the love that we have in Christ in amidst the difficult circumstances and maybe especially in the face of those difficult times and circumstances in our lives. He's, he's helping us to see the difference that faith should make every day in our lives. Things like our speech and how we treat one another, how we deal with trials and tribulations and even, yes, how we view tomorrow. James understands that to love Jesus as Lord is to have him as Lord over every aspect of our lives. The aspects, yes, that are easy to hand over to the Lord and the ones that aren't so easy. As we have studied through chapter 4 in the past few weeks, we've seen James' exclusive call to surrender absolutely every aspect of our lives to the Lord. Any action, any thought, any desire, anything at all that would create distance between God and us. He has called us to ruthlessly eliminate those things from our lives, from our walk with the Lord. He encourages us to come to a decisive point of humbling ourselves. Of putting ourselves low and surrendering to the Lord. And as we dive into our teaching text today in verses 13 through 17, James is again calling for our surrender in humility. Except this time, he does something a little unique. James calls for the surrender of something we don't yet have and that we may never have. James calls you and he calls me to surrender your tomorrow. James is calling you to surrender your tomorrow. As hard as it can be for us to reckon with this truth, a proper and humble response to the Lord's grace in our lives is that we are giving God our future. 
As we unpack our text today, James is going to help us to see our lives in the light of eternity and to help us to see how our response must be one of humility and trust in God's plans for our future. Would you turn with me to James chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 13 today. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. He says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Finally, in verse 17, he says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does it, do it, it is sin for them. As we begin today, I, I think, friends, it might be helpful for us just to take a moment to establish what James is not saying here. What he's not implying in this text will help us a little bit to focus in on what he's trying to get us to see. This is not James saying that we can't make plans for a warm summer vacation. Can I get an amen? Like it's been cold here forever. It's time for some swim shorts and a beach chair somewhere in the heat. Okay? That's, that's not what James is calling out here. This is really not even him saying that we can't make other plans or that we can't save money for a rainy day. We can't be good stewards towards the future. James is not saying here that we can't run a business that turns a profit. What In our text today, James is looking beyond the actions of our plans. He's looking beyond the actions of those plans to see the heart motive of what we're planning, of whose hands we have left the future in. For James, part of living a surrendered life in God's kingdom is being surrendered to his authority over your tomorrow. That we would allow God to have full control, full say over our future. That's what James is helping us to see here. Would you pray with me as we dive in to unpack a little bit slower what he's saying here today. Lord, Father in heaven, we come before you today. We want to be humble, Lord. We want to come to you, Lord, and bring our all. Because you've shown us, Lord, that you gave our, your all that we might know you, that we might be forgiven and redeemed and know new life. So, Lord, how can we give you any less than our all? So, Lord, will you help us to see those places in our lives where we might be clinging to tomorrow? Where we might be pushing you away in some of our plans, Lord. Will you search our hearts today? Draw us near to you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's circle back to verse 13, and we'll begin to unpack our teaching text today. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, and carry on business and make money. Now what James is doing here, he's introduced another fictitious character, imaginary character that has some thoughts and thinking that James feels is represented within the church context that he's writing to. So what James lays out here is a person with pretty clear self-confidence in their planning. And self is the operative word here that he's going for. 
So he's shown within these plans of this imaginary character a a very bold self-confidence about what's going to happen. And there's even a bit of pride in the plans and the outcome of what's going to happen in the future of this individual. There's a certainty of of when they're going to leave, of where they will go, how long they're going to be there, and what's going to happen. I don't know about you, but it sounds a lot like plans I make, right? Like we go about with a certainty of our lives of what we're going to do, where we're going to go, how long we're going to stay. And that's what he's trying to get us to see here. And he even strives to pull the curtain back to see a little bit of pride in these plans about what these time, what these events are going to produce when they say we're going to go carry on business and make money. As James continues in our teaching text, he's going to show us that there's some pretty key elements missing from these plans. Let's pick back up in verse 14. He says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The folly of the plans in verse 13 that James is trying to get us to see is that nobody really has a grip on tomorrow. That tomorrow is always outside our control. Don't we know that now, perhaps more than ever? In light of the last two years, and yes, even within the last two weeks, don't we recognize just how out of our control tomorrow is? James says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I I live with a pretty routine security and even certainty about what's going to take place tomorrow. Like I, I, we're going to first hope that Eliza sleeps past five thirty. Then I, I know we've got to get to Gigi's house with Eliza. Then we've got a meeting at nine, and we've got a meeting at eleven. And then oh, don't forget classes tomorrow night. And then on Tuesday, like we we just start going through tomorrow without a second thought. But James here is reminding us of of a very direct and very, very in front of us reality that we often forget. Tomorrow belongs to God alone. Tomorrow belongs to God alone. Woody Allen once said it this way. He said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? It says, even though we often are so confident in our to-do list, the truth is that none of us are promised tomorrow. Every day, no, every breath that we receive is a gift of life from God, our Father. And it's never guaranteed. He goes on, he says, what is your life? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while. And then vanishes. You're a mist. You're a mist. That is here. And it's gone. Like, like let's, let's frame our normal human experience in that story of, gosh, does anybody remember being in school and thinking, I will never get out of this place. I'll never be able to drive. I'll never get out of high school 40 years ago. I've got to find a job. I've, I've got to make my plans. I've got to work hard. I've got to save for retirement. It's coming up so quick. 
got to try to get the house paid off. We've got to make, make a push on our retirement these last couple years. I want to hang out with the grandkids. Think about the gravity of what James is saying here. That our life in the scheme of all eternity is fenced. Here today, gone today. So our minds struggle to understand eternity. We struggle to understand what it really means that our life is that fast. Because our lives so often, uh, Pastor Adrian, when Eliza was born, he said, you're going to see that the moments are long, but the years are short. Isn't that so true of our lives? That like certain seasons are just an etern- well, what we call an eternity long. And when we get, on to, get through them and look back, you're going, that was just a mist. It's gone. It's gone. Realize what James is trying to get us to see here. He's calling us to have a new perspective on life. On your life today. James is using this word picture of a mist, of of a vapor to remind us just how short, just how transient our lives here are in light of eternity and how that ought to impact our everyday and our view of tomorrow. James continues in verse 15. He says, instead... Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And James is here offering us a different way of thinking, a different way of planning for Christians to view the future. It's that we can make plans, that we can plan on doing this or that, but but that we would submit those plans to the Lord, that we would live with the future with our palms wide open, allowing just to say, whatever you will, Father, it's yours. And to merely tack on a saying, if the Lord wills, is not really the essence of what James is getting at here. He's trying to call us to a deep-seated conviction and humility that says, no, 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 the future. I've got some plans, I've got some dreams and some ideas, but it's all up to the Lord. Whatever the Lord wills. Whatever the Lord wills. Can we just be real here with one another for a minute? This ain't easy. This ain't easy. I don't know about you, but but one of the hardest things I've ever had to surrender and continue to surrender in my life is the future. It's the future. I remember so distinctly God impressing upon my heart that I needed to let go of my plans for the future. When I was younger, I had some pretty cool ideas. I had some pretty cool things I was going to do. I I was working in a family business that I loved. It was always challenging me. I was constantly getting to be creative and design and do new things with great people. I was going to move into management and then on to ownership and just do that forever. Like, that was plan A. This is what I'm going to do. And, and we had purchased a couple of acres out in Singers Glen. It had a double wide there just off the top of the hill, and there was a hilltop building site back in the back 
where you could look out over Mount Clinton and just see the valley below. We were going to build a house. It was going to be a modern A-frame with southern exposure so we could capture the passive solar energy. I had it figured out. I can still show you the plans. We were going to do this thing where we lived in this house that was on it for three to five years tops. And we're going to build a house. And it's got to have a shop too. And the shop was going to be about 34 by 44 and it wanted three bays so we could have some storage in it and a workshop. Metal siding, stone bottom, wood stove for heat. I had it. I had it. As you might guess by my standing here today, there was a problem in those plans. I was planning like that person in verse 13. It had never really crossed my mind that I needed to ask the Lord about my future. You see, that because there was nothing wrong with the plans I'd made, there was nothing inherently sinful about any of it, except that I was taking the pride in thinking that the course of my life was up to me to set. The problem wasn't in the business. The problem wasn't in an A-frame house and a couple of acres. The problem was that I had made all of those plans. I had leveraged my entire life to move in that direction, and I never once paused to ask God what he wanted to do in my future. Friends, that's the mistake that James is trying to get us to see here. That we can have plans, that we can have dreams. They can be detailed and elaborate or they can be basic. But James is just calling, ask the Lord. Lay it before him. See your life in the light of eternity. See your life differently. See your life differently. He's trying to get us to see to avoid this thing where we just go headlong into making our own course in life. In verse 16, he says, As it is, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So when we set our life course based off of what we want, what our desires are, whether that's a house, a career, or a family, whatever it is, no matter how good it is, If we're leveraging our lives based off of what we want alone, we're actually guilty of being arrogant before God. Of saying, no, 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 Lord, I I see you, but I'm going to do this. This is my plan for tomorrow. We got to pause and just just remember that, that he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. He's writing to us and saying, don't miss this. If you unpack this idea of to be arrogant before the Lord, it's to have an exaggerated sense of our own importance and abilities. Never done that. (laughs) To, To have an exaggerated sense of our own importance or abilities. I had a really exaggerated sense of what I could do in just a couple of years and what I could do with my life and and seeing this dream come to be. But I was boasting before the Lord. I was saying, it's okay, I got this. We set set out to lead the Lord into our future. 
rather than acknowledging that it's the other way around. The root issue that James is trying to get us to see here that he's pointing out is that we have taken the future out of God's hands and we've determined what we will do with it and we are going to hold on to it at any cost. And I I think that this arrogance, this pride even against the Lord can manifest itself in some pretty subtle ways, in some everyday ways that we live our lives. Maybe some of these will resonate with you today. Perhaps we cling to the future because we're worried or we're anxious about tomorrow, uncertain of what is coming, so we cling tighter. We try to eliminate the unknown. We try to eliminate risk from what's before us. In worrying, we just cling tighter and tighter. Maybe it's fear. Maybe this pride of our plans, maybe it shows up in fear, fear of the unknown. Fear of what God may ask us to do. Maybe fear that God's going to upset our plans. We might hesitate to say it out loud, but, but sometimes, honestly, we just prefer to do things our way. To plan on enjoying some of the things of this world rather than living sacrificially for God's kingdom. does it manifest itself in your life today? James's final verdict is that whether it's, it's fear or it's worry or even if it's indifference, any claim that we make on our future is actually evil. As we conclude here in verse 17, he says, If anyone, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That is a heavy truth. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's sin to know what God is calling us to and to say no. To say no. To know the good we ought to do and not to do it. You know, as we have unpacked these couple verses today, Within Christian circles, within normal conversation, there's really not a lot of contested truth here, is it? You know, we to some extent know that we have no control over tomorrow. We all know that at some manner or another that our time here is short. And and friends, the the older we get, the more aware of that reality we are, right? And and, and most of us would even agree that, that God has good plans, And James, so we we see all those things, we recognize all those things, and none of them really upset our apple cart today. But why does James go so explicitly to mention it here, to spell it out and lay it out before us? What's he doing? I, I think, I think that James knew that there was a big difference in knowing these things and actually living like they are true. That's the whole premise of his letter, right? That we would be doers of the word, that we would take what we know to be true and live like it. I know that in my own life, I I can sometimes recognize that gap 
that distance even between what I know to be true, what God's word says, and how I live. And as I think about tomorrow, I I can be honest and transparent and just say, I'm a master's level procrastinator. Don't worry, I'm going to get it done, but not a minute too soon. I'll call you to check in tomorrow. I'm going to I'm going to sit down. I'm going to carve out more time to pray uh, tomorrow. I'm going, to, I'm going to read more scripture. I'm going to dive in the word deeper. I'm busy today. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I, I struggle with waiting. Have you ever tried to hurry God along because you're tired of waiting? Like that's a real thing. But what are we saying when we do that? What's our perspective of time in trying to hurry God up? (laughs) I refuse to do anything without having a backup plan. I'd never say it out loud, but it goes something like this in my mind. Lord, I trust you, but just in case. I I, I got a little bit of something cooking back here that I I can manage. I can struggle to find peace sometimes in what God is doing if it's bigger than me. I worry about my daughter's future. Everybody says this world's going to hell in a handbasket, even though God's word clearly says that his redemption plan is moving on and there's coming a day where there will be no more tears and no more death and he's going to redeem all of creation. I know that to be true, but I worry about my daughter's future. What's going to happen to her? Will she be safe? Lord, can I trust you with her future? You see, James is challenging us today to deal with the gaps in our lives. Between what his word and what the truth says about tomorrow and how we live every day. Will we deal with the gaps today, friends? James loves Jesus and his readers too much to hold back. For us to know these truths and not lift them out. James says it's sin for us. How about your life today? How about your life today? What are the gaps? God's calling you to deal with. We're going to have just a couple minutes to respond here. I think this was um, one of those messages where we need a tangible response or an opportunity. And so here to my right are postcards, post-it notes, and pens. If God is moving in your heart today to lay down tomorrow I invite you today just to make a move a move of humility that will just come name it 
pin it to the cross. It's just a tangible act to say, Lord, I am giving you my tomorrow. I'm letting go of my plans and I'm saying yes to you. Here it is. As the band plays, just opportunities of grace to close the gap. Father, we love you today. We want to live like you, Lord. We want to give you our tomorrow, our plans, our children's future. God, we want to be in your hands. It's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.